Book One, Chapter Four of The History of Pompey the Little. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Starr. The History of Pompey the Little, or The Life and Adventures of a Lapdog, by Francis Coventry, Book One, Chapter Four. Another Conversation Between Hilario and Two Ladies of Quality. Our hero was now perfectly recovered from the indisposition hinted at in the beginning of the preceding chapter, and pretty well reconciled to the heir of England, but, as yet, had made few acquaintances, either with gentlemen of his own, or of a different species, being seldom permitted to expatiate beyond Hilario's lodgings where his chief amusement was to stand with his forepaws up in the window and contemplate the coaches that passed through the street. But Fortune, who had destined him to a great variety of adventures, no sooner observed that he was settled and began to grow established in his new apartments, than she determined, according to her usual inconstancy, to beat up his quarters and provide him a new habitation. Hilario and his little dog were making a visit one morning to a lady of quality at her toilette, where they had not been long before another lady of the same rank entered the room and joined the conversation. It turned, as I have been told, on the Italian opera, which they all declared to be the most sublime entertainment in life, when on a sudden little Pompey leapt up into his master's lap. Lady Tempest, that was the name of the lady last arrived, no sooner saw him than addressing herself to his master with the ease and familiarity of modern breeding. "'Hilario,' said she, "'where the devil did you get that pretty dog?' "'This dog, madam,' cries Hilario, "'oh, amour, thereby hangs a tale.' This dog, madam, once belonged to a woman of the first fashion in Italy, the finest creature, I think, that ever my eyes beheld, such a shape and such an air. Then ran he into the most extravagant encomiums on her beauty, and after dropping many hints of an intrigue to awaken the lady's curiosity and make them inquire into the particulars of the story, concluded with desiring them to excuse him from proceeding any farther, for he thought it the highest injury to betray a lady's secrets. Nay, said Lady Tempest, it can do her reputation no hurt to tell tales of her in England. And besides, Lario, if you acquitted yourself with spirit and gallantry in the affair, who knows but we shall like you the better after we have heard your story? Well, said he, on that condition, my dear Countess, I will confess the truth. I had an affair with this lady, 
and I think none of my amours ever afforded me greater transport. But the eyes of a husband will officiously be pried into things that do not concern them. Her jealous-pated booby surprised us one evening in a little familiar dalliance, and pox take him, sent me a challenge the next morning. "'Bless us,' said Lady Tempest. "'And what became of it?' "'Why,' cries Hilario, "'I would willingly have washed my hand of the fellow if I could, "'for I thought it but a silly business to hazard one's life "'with so ridiculous an animal. "'But curse the blockhead, he could not understand ridicule. "'You must know, madam, I sent him for answer "'with the greatest ease imaginable, quite composed, "'as I am at this moment, that I had so prodigious a cold "'it would be imprudent to fight abroad in the open air. "'But if he would have a fire in his best apartment, "'and a bottle of burgundy ready for me on the table "'after I'd gone through the fatigue of killing him,' I was at his service as soon as he pleased, meaning, you see, to have turned the affair off with a joke, if the fellow had been capable of tasting ridicule. But that stratagem, replied Lady Tempest, I am afraid did not succeed. The man, I doubt, was too dull to apprehend your raillery. Dull? "'As a beetle, madam,' said Hilario. "'The monster continued obstinate, and repeated his challenge. "'When, therefore, I found nothing else would do, "'I resolved to meet him, according to his appointment, "'and there, in short, oh, I shall never forget how he looked, "'in short, not to trouble your ladyships with a long, tedious description,' I ran him through the body. Both the ladies burst out laughing at this story, which they most justly concluded to be a lie, and after entertaining themselves with many pleasant remarks upon it, one of them said with a smile, But what is this to the dog, Hilario? The dog, madam? answered he. Oh, pardon me, I am coming to the dog immediately. Come hither, Pompey, and listen to your own story. This dog, madam, this very little dog, had, at that time, the honour of waiting on the dear woman I have been describing, and, as the noise of my duel obliged me to quit Bologna, I sent her private notice of my intentions, and begged her, by any means, to favour me with an interview before my departure. The monster, her husband, who then lay on his deathbed, immured her so closely that you may imagine it was very difficult to gratify my desires. But love, immortal love, gave her courage, 
She sent me a private key to get admission into her garden, and appointed me an assignation in an orange grove at nine in the evening. I flew to the dear creature's arms, and spent an hour with her in the greatest rupture, till it grew dangerous and impossible to stay any longer. Oh, mon coeur! Then we knelt down, both of us on the cold ground, and saluted one another for the last time on our knees. Damned malicious fate tore me at length from her arms, and she gave me this dog, this individual little dog, to carry with me as a memorial of her love. The poor dear tender woman died, I hear, within three weeks after my departure. But this dog, this divine little dog, will I keep everlasting for her sake. When the ladies had heard him to an end, Well, said Lady Tempest, you have really told a very pretty story, Hilario, but as to your resolutions of keeping the dog, I swear you shall break them, for I had the misfortune t'other day to lose my favourite black spaniel of the mange, and I intend you shall give me this little dog to supply his place. Not for the universe, madam, replied Hilario. I should expect to see his dear injured mistress's ghost haunting me in my sleep to-night, if I could be guilty of such an act of infidelity to her. Pew, said the lady, don't tell me of such ridiculous superstitious trumpery. You no more came by the dog in this manner, Hilario, than you will fly to the moon to-night. But, looky, make no preambles, for I positively must and will take him home with me. Madam, said Hilario, this little dog is sacred to love. He was born to be the herald of love, and there is but one consideration in nature that can possibly induce me to part with it. "'And what is that?' said the lady. "'That, madam,' cries Hilario, bowing, "'is the honour of visiting him at all hours in his new apartments. "'He must be the herald of love wherever he goes, "'and on these conditions, if you will now and then "'admit me to your retirements,' Little Pompey waits your acceptance as soon as you please. Well, said the lady, smiling, you know that I am not inexorable, Hilario, and if you have a mind to visit your little friend at my rule, you will find him ready to receive you. Though, faith, 
upon second thoughts, I know not whether I dare admit you or not. You are such a killer of husbands, Hilario, that is quite terrible to think on, and if mine was not conveniently removed out of the way, I should have the poor man sacrificed for his jealousy. Raillery, raillery, returned Hilario. But, as you say, my dear Countess, your monster is commodiously out of the way, and therefore we need be under no apprehensions from that quarter, for I hardly believe he will rise out of his grave to interrupt our amours. Amours? cried the lady, lifting up her voice. "'Pray, what have I said that encourages you to talk of amours?' From this time the conversation began to grow much too loose to be reported in this work. They congratulated each other on the felicity of living in an age that allows such indulgence to women— and gives them leave to break loose from their husbands whenever they grow morose and disagreeable, or attempt to interrupt their pleasures. From hence they relapsed again into a discourse on the Italian opera, and thence made a quick transition to ladies' painting. This was no sooner started than Hilario begged leave to present the lady of the house with a box of rouge which he had brought with him from France, assuring her that the ladies were arrived at such excellency of using it at Paris as to confound all distinction of age and beauty. "'I protest, your ladyship,' continued he, it is impossible at any distance to distinguish a woman of sixty from a girl of sixteen, and I have seen an old dowager in the opposite box at the playhouse make as good a figure and look as blooming as the youngest beauty in the place. Nothing in nature is there required to make a woman handsome but eyes, if a woman has but eyes, she may be a beauty whenever she pleases, at the expense of a couple of guineas. Teeth and hair and eyebrows and complexions are all as cheap as fans and gloves and ribbons. While this ingenious orator was pursuing his eloquent harangue on beauty, Lady Tempest, looking at her watch, declared it was time to be going, for she had seven or eight visits more to make that morning, and it was then almost three in the afternoon. Little Pompey, who had absented himself during great part of the preceding conversation, as thinking it perhaps above the reach of his understanding, was now ordered to be produced and the moment he made his appearance, Lady Tempest, catching him up in her arms, was conducted by Hilario into her chair, which stood at the door, waiting her commands. Thus our hero, with three footmen forerunning his equipage, 
set out in triumph for his new apartments. End of Book One, Chapter Four. Recording by John Starr. www.ourmanstar.com.